Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. I hope you had a good Christmas break and that you enjoyed our Christmas episode, which has just gone out before this one at the time of its original airing, uh, or any other episode you might be listening to right now. Uh, But now, today's episode, I should be talking to you about film 2020. So the films of 2020 that I've experienced, the ones that I've enjoyed, most of them I've enjoyed, to be honest. I mean, I haven't really seen much, but it's been a bit, bit of a turbulent year. And obviously, if you're listening back to this, you'll know 2020 was not the best of years uh, for cinema or just anyone in general. Um, but today I'm going to be talking to you about all the films that I experienced and some other films that some of you guys have pitched in with and said that you've enjoyed throughout 2020. And But first of all, I'd just like to remind you, obviously keep following us on Instagram, Twitter, all the social medias, and keep inter- interacting with all the content that's on there. And I just really really want you to sort of keep following us on our journey really and obviously we're approaching the end of 2020 the end of this year it's not been a full year since i started this podcast but i'm very excited really just to see what the future holds for take 97 Uh, i've got a few plans there are a few plans for the next year obviously a little announcement um uh, there will be again obviously i had a week break between these episodes so this new year's episode and the christmas episode i will be taking a a slightly longer break but hopefully not too long uh throughout the beginning of january just so i can recoup myself uh get all the recording done very quickly and sort of on point so it's good enough for you guys to listen to and that you're enjoying it at the best quality you possibly can uh but yeah i'm really genuinely looking forward to sharing the episode plans that i've got for 2021 and you know just in general in the future whenever you're listening to this uh but for now let's get back to the point of the episode so the episode today obviously film 2020 it's been a bit of a turbulent year um in terms of cinema i'm going to start this off so i'm going to talk to you about uh the cinema trips that i've been on so the films i've seen at the cinema films that i've experienced at home via my netflix account which i recently got in the first lockdown and also i got uh you know just other ones that i bought on home release it got delivered straight to my door via the post thank you post (laughs) the post lady who comes to my house who probably thinks i'm mad for ordering all this stuff on online you know i mean i'm probably like everybody else but you know thank you so much you've kept me going along with my netflix subscription uh but yeah so first of all uh, let's start off with uh, the films that I've been to see at the cinema. And I can safely say to you, I've only been to the cinema. I can count on two hands, but really the second hand's only there for a bit of support, really. Uh, the amount of times that I've been to the cinema, and that is six times. I've been to the cinema six times in the entirety of 2020. It's a little bit depressing considering I just got into a groove of seeing new releases and films that I really love on the big screen. Um, but yeah, this is not really, <laughs> it hasn't been the most ideal of years. Uh, so I'll roll call through the, the ones that I've seen. Uh, started off the year on my birthday as well. Birthday treat for me, <laughs> kind of, if, depending on what way you want to see it as. Uh, I saw Cats, the 2019. So it came out at the end of 2019. I went to see Cats on my birthday. Uh, and I mean, lots of people give Cats a lot of stick, really, because of the the CGI and how strange and weird it is. But I think people forget how weird the stage production is and how strange and abstract it is. And I think people, you know, when they see, oh, it's about seeing cats, like, of course, they're going to be humans because otherwise you end up with like, a, I don't know, a Homeward Bound or the buddies films the dogs like the dogs that talk in the disney films you know you end up with that kind of approach but with cats and it would just be really weird like even weirder i mean 
but I do feel, you know, it, it, it's had a lot of unnecessary slating, even by its stars, like, because James Corden and Rebel Wilson attended, I, think, I believe it was the Oscars, um, dressed up as their characters from Cats, or at least partially in their costumes, uh, and they slated how bad it was. Um, and, you know, I love the music because I'm a theatre person. I love it. And, I, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I didn't mind Cats, but... You know, lots of people hate it, and I can I can tell lots of people are going to be coming at me in the comment section, thinking, "Oh, oh, why do you like that? Oh, it's so rubbish!" Like, but is it rubbish because you think it's rubbish, or because everybody else is telling you it's rubbish? That's my number one advice for films in general. Um, obviously, lots of people will say you're wrong; it's rubbish. Uh, but for me personally, I love the musical experience of it. Yeah, the visuals are weird. Yeah, the CGI had to be sort of touched up quite a lot from its initial version. But I don't know. It was escapism. It was strange, but it was wonderful strangeness. There you go. Controversial opinion for the year to close off 2020. Uh, but then after Cats, I then went to see something that probably most people will see as a much better film. I do own it now on Blu-ray as well, but I'm so glad that I saw this on the big screen when I could. And this was before anything kicked off or anything. This was also at the beginning of the year in January. I went to see 1917, the Sam Mendes film, which won quite a lot of acclaim at the Oscars and the BAFTAs and all sorts of uh, different awards shows and such. Uh, but Sam Mendes, obviously, he's known for directing the James Bond films Skyfall and Spectre. And he's also known for American Beauty and The Road to Perdition. You know, it's a beautiful film. It's a real... I know lots of people have done the single shot take type thing, like Hitchcock did it back in uh, Rope, back in the 1940s. Um, but it's really, you know, for modern filmmaking, people don't do that nowadays. There's a lot of it, like when I was doing my uni dissertation essays and such for undergrad and postgrad, you know, I was looking at one point at how fast they're cut together. And in terms of the, like, how they're really, like, blink and you miss it moments. Whereas 1917, there's a lot of detail to be had. And, you know, the camera just moves so lovely. And, like, it sweeps through these massive scenes that, you know, that are basically like paintings, really, if you look at them. And one particular highlight for me uh, from 1917 was most definitely the shot where uh, I, I did for those of you who haven't seen it obviously you won't understand this but when if you have seen it or when you do go to watch it you'll know this there's a lovely shot which I think they use partially in the trailer as well where uh, we follow up one of our main characters we go from the top of the building of this ruined building and then the camera goes through this window and down onto the floor and then eventually we sort of meet our character who was just at the top of the window down at the bottom now uh, in the time that the camera is taken to get down there. And it shows this wonderful, lovely burnt orange, burning little town area that's burning to pieces because of some bombing and general warfare, really. Over And it's just such a... It's a beautifully shot th uh, part of the film in terms of its lighting, so the cinematography, like we've discussed in other episodes. It's a joyous thing to... Like, for any film buff out there who loves their, you know, really nerdy geeky little bits that you like to look out for in film and you're really on to your technical specifications. 1917 is such a brilliant film to watch in terms of its technical makeup, but also a story as well, because story, it's just a brilliant story to tell, you know, because it's, you know, it's very poignant because it's a World War One story. It's about soldiers and young soldiers, uh, particularly it mainly the basic premise is about these two boy, boy soldiers who go across the trenches and several other parts of the 
wastelands and everything else to no man's land everywhere to get this message to call off an attack uh, at the other end to meet Bendit Cumberbatch. <laughs> There's lots of really strange guest stars in 1917 as well. So you've got, you know, Andrew Scott and Bendit Cumberbatch, who are just brilliant actors, and they're they're not really the like the main stars of the show. They're they're there, but the main stars of the show are our two central boy soldiers. The one with the bit with the plane. There's too many bits that I could mention about 1917. I might do a review on it at some point. But yeah, that's one I saw in January. Uh, then shortly after, I then went to, because I went to see that with my dad. Uh, I went to see Cats with my mum. <laughs> and then Jojo Rabbit, I went to see with a group of friends. Um, this was before everything sort of kicked off in terms of pandemic-based situations. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, which is truly a a wonderful film it really it's heartbreaking emotional it's lovely and because the story is centered around so jojo rabbit is set again it's another war movie but it's a different kind of war movie so it's set in world war ii and it's got it's directed by none other than taika watiti who's obviously known for thor ragnarok and obviously he's going to be directing thor love and thunder which hopefully is coming out in 20 i think it's 2021 or 2022 uh, depending on how things go with production uh, but yeah, he's really, he's such a funny guy and he, it causes a lot of controversy in terms of, you know, making satirical fun of Hitler and that part, you know, Nazi Germany and the Hitler youth. Cause the story is based around young Jojo, uh, or Jojo rabbit, as he likes to, as he sort of comes to become known, uh, it's about him and his journey through the Hitler youth and how he's really not, he dreams of becoming this ideal member of the hitler youth and the nazi party as a young like 10 year old boy uh, but at the end of the day he's really not and we we discovered that he's not a bad person like the nazis were as it's sort of explained during the film by this girl who this jewish girl who's played by the wonderful pat Thompson mckenzie she's just a lovely beautiful actress in you know she's only a teenager but she really really translates very adult themes and very adult acting style into her performance and she's so young so uh, and the point the rapport between the two of them so between jojo uh, and uh, the the girl in the attic is just so it's so raw and emotional again i should do a review of jojo rabbit because it's a beautiful film it's you know it's quite simply it's not there's no flashy camera movements or anything it's quite comedically played uh in terms of taika watiti's little cameo can't well not really a big, it's a big cameo, but his role as Adolf Hitler, or should I say, Jojo's imaginary friend who looks like Adolf Hitler. Uh, and it's very, you know, it brings a bit of modern tongue in cheek in terms of the satirical comedy of Adolf Hitler making fun of himself and pointing out things that are very, you know, obvious to us today about how horrible things are, but he thinks it's all right and fun. And that's, it's the uncomfortable giggling laughter that you get, but it's, I feel Jojo Rabbit really te teaches you how to laugh at things that have once gone by. Yes, it's a serious thing. Yes, what the Nazi party did wasn't very nice at all. It was horrible. Uh, but the general premise of it is that, you know, you learn to sort of laugh in the face of fear itself. And that's what, you know, and there's a heartwarming friendship between, you know, two polar opposites, a Nazi young boy, boy of the Hitler youth, and a Jewish girl who, you know, there's no they, there's no real romance as such in it but they it's a nice platonic romance if that makes sense so it's very it's a friendship between these two people but 
you know, there's a will they won't they kind of in there as well, along with the funny moments as well. Scar- Scarlett Johansson as well as um, Jojo's mother, uh, who she gives a brilliant performance. I'm not going to tell you about certain plot points because you should really watch it and I'll do a review on it soon. But it's a brilliant film, such a lovely, heartwarming film. Uh, and then we move on to literally lockdown happened three months and didn't really get to see anything. And then I got to see Bill and Ted face the music. So the third Bill and Ted film, which I've done a review of. So please check that out if you're interested in that. Uh, and I went to see that at the cinema. Again, it was a good experience, even though cinemas have been shut for so long, but I couldn't been to see that. Then non, not long after that, I went to see with one of my uh, very close friends. Uh, we went to see Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it, it, there's no special remastering of it or anything, but it was for the 40th anniversary of the film's release. So obviously 1980 is 2020. And we went to see it just being put on the big screen. And I obviously, because I wasn't alive in 1980, it was such a pleasure to see Empire Strikes Back a legendary epic film of cinema history on the big screen. And I just, I can't say any more about how epic that was just to see that I am your father moment that like me and Gov discussed in the movie moments episode, we got to see that on the big screen. It's such a, oh, such an amazing film. Another film, which I then went to see uh, maybe a month or a couple of months after that, I, in the October, I went to see Pixie, which again, I've done a review of. So if you want to check that out, please check that out. Uh, Pixie starring uh, Olivia Cook and Ben Hardy and Alec Baldwin, really great cast. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a big blockbuster film, but it's, you know, because it's a very small film by comparison of the likes of Endgame or even Tenet, which I'll get onto in a moment. Uh, and I just think it was just such a joyous little Irish comedy heist thriller drama thing that it is. It was so fun to watch. The soundtrack was so good. The score was really quite sweet and nice. You know, it got that Irish vibe to it. But at the same time, you've got like a nice, I don't know, a very calm, soothing essence to the look of the countryside that's in Ireland that you get to see on those lovely wide vistas that are in the film. But yeah, like I said, check my review out for that. And that's all I went to see at the cinema. Cats, 1917, Jojo Rabbit, Bill and Ted Face the Music, Empire Strikes Back, and Pixie. And that's all I've been able to see at the cinema since. I haven't had a chance to go and see Wonder Woman 1984 because literally just as uh, they released it, uh, my area went into the highest form of restrictions. So I didn't get to see that in the cinema. So that's a bit sad. Uh, And I've heard lots of good things about that. Uh, I'll probably get to see it eventually. But one point, I will do a review on that as well. Uh, But in terms of obviously things being stuck inside all the time, I've had a lot of films which I can watch. And I really, you know, I've had lots that I've really enjoyed uh, in the comfort of my own home. So like I said, I got a Netflix subscription, Uh, just a few films that I would recommend to you and ones that I've just seen in general. Uh, I saw Enola Holmes, which again, I've done a review of. Uh, I've watched The Prom, so the Ryan Murphy uh, the the Ryan Murphy film, The Prom, based on the Broadway musical, uh, stars Nicole Kidman, James Corden. Yes, I know he's in everything now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's. A, I will say now without reviewing it too much here, but I would say James Corden. When I started watching The Prom, it was very. I was a bit unnerved at the beginning because he was so campy that it was a bit overpowering. But then as it got through the rest of the story, like the film went on, I enjoyed it a bit more because I do like a musical. I like musical films at at my heart. But like even I thought the campiness at the beginning was a bit too much on James Corden's part. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Uh, But yeah, the problem on Netflix, uh, a lot of these are on Netflix, I will say now. Uh, Jingle Jangle, I watched for the Christmas season. That's quite a good one. It's got Forrest Whitaker and Hugh Bonneville in it. It's quite a simple story, but very easy to watch. 
to be honest, I think you could probably watch it out of Christmas time as well, just to make yourself feel a bit happier. So there's a bit of feel good in there for you. Um, I also watched Rebecca, which I did a review of. The Lighthouse, which isn't on Netflix. It's uh, the film, the black and white film with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. I got a special uh, Blu-ray first edition of that. And boy, oh boy, was that a brilliant watch. It's a very weird film. Such a weird film. Um, and also, like Mank, which came, which has only just come out at the end of this year, at the end of 2020, it's kind of showing the rise of these black and white film juggernauts. So before all the films used to be shot on were black and white, you'd rarely see colour ever until the colour boom in like the, the 50s, uh, well, early, early 40s, 50s. But, you know, black and white is starting to make a nice comeback. I mean, it started with The Artist back in 2011, that silent film that won a lot of awards at the Oscars that year. But I do feel the black and white films are starting to make a comeback, or at least black and white in general being used. So obviously Mank, which is based on the screenwriter who writes Orson Welles' classic uh, Citizen Kane. That's a brilliant film. That's also on Netflix. That's another one I'd recommend as well. Really good. Uh, Freddy vs. Jason I saw on. It was added to Netflix. I did a binge of the entire Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series, and I the box set that I have, the Blu-ray box set, doesn't have Freddy vs. Jason in it. Uh, probably for good reason, uh, <laughs> because it's just very strange. It's very weird. It, it's typical 2000s at its best. And it's so it's a tip. It's slasher movie, but it's terrible. I mean, some people probably love it, but oh, it was absolutely terrible. I don't often watch films and think, well, that's two hours of my life. I'm never going to get back. But genuinely, I thought that with Freddy versus Jason, uh, it was not not the experience I wanted to have when I watched it. I, you know, I was disappointed when I watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which was basically, uh, I mean, it's, I, I can understand the cult following that it has and the, like the gay subtext that's in it. It must be quite good, you know, to have that angle on it because it's just an, you know, an interesting way to look at a film. And, you know, it's quite obvious at the same time as well, but it was just rubbish in line with you know my opinion nightmare on elm street the best ones are the th the first one the original and then the third one which is basically what number 2 should have been the spiritual sequel to number 1 and then as for the rest of them they're all just a bunch of like they're, they're fun but they're a load of rubbish really um i think 5 is quite good i don't, i didn't mind 5 5 isn't too bad and i watched um new nightmare which is interesting but if it was shorter, it would have been much better. Let's just say that. So I, I spent a load of time watching those ones. So the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Um, I haven't got around to watching all the Friday the 13th. So I've only watched the first one and obviously Freddy versus Jason. So I've got like the bookends. Uh, but I'd say, you know, if you're a horror fan like Simon from my Halloween episode, check it out. Uh, Lighthouse, like I said, it's a pure, pure gem. So like I was saying, black and white cinema, it's amazing. Uh, I also watched an independent film, which are one of our guests, Jason Farries, he starred in, and we mentioned it on his episode, uh, The Haunting of Margam Castle. And it's, you know, it's a horror film. It's quite simple. There's nothing too complex about it, but it's quite an enjoyable watch at the same time. Uh, it's on DVD now and Amazon Prime. If you guys want to buy that, that's not sponsored, like a paid sponsor. That's just me saying you should check it out because you might as well. It's worth a watch. Uh, and on top of that, I haven't watched this one yet, but there's a Netflix film called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which I believe is the final the final performance with Chadwick Boseman in it before he sadly passed away. And obviously he filmed it quite a way in advance, but like one of his final films to be released uh, and obviously released posthumously. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but apparently it's quite good. And I look forward to watching that one on Netflix as well. 
And on top of that, you know, that's, yeah, obviously I watched a load of those. Also in terms of, obviously I mentioned Jingle Jangle, the Christmas episode, uh, I didn't really touch on this one film, which I've only just discovered really as I recorded the episode. Uh, and it's a film called The Loss Adjuster. Now, again, I just said something about, oh, that very rarely do I watch a film and think I want my two hours back, please. Because, uh, you know, Freddy versus Jason did that for me. Uh, and also kind of the same for The Loss Adjuster. It's got half of Bross, the music band. So Luke Goss. Uh, and it's also got Lorna Fitzgerald, who's from the uh, from EastEnders. For those of you in the UK, you know the soap opera EastEnders. She's, she played Abby Branning in that. Uh, so on one hand, we had Ben Hardy, who went and did a fabulous performance in Pixie. Uh, you know, you get Lorna Fitzgerald. She plays this really bumbling, sweet florist girl in this Christmas film. I, I would say use the term Christmas film very loosely because the only thing Christmassy about it is the Beverly Night song, which is used right at the end on the credits, which is called um, A Christmas Wish. Uh, they say it's the theme from The Loss Adjuster, but it's only used on the credits. The, the film isn't that Christmassy. The opening montage shot, you know, it's basically like Love Actually. And the closing shot, it's like snowing and there's Christmas lights. So it's not really it's not really a Christmas film. And I, it was very poor. I'm not going to lie. I won't waste your time. Don't watch that one. I watched it and I wouldn't advise it. Uh, but there you go. If you want to laugh, maybe watch it. But other than that, not really. Uh, but yeah, 2020 overall is a year that saw a lot of big anniversaries. Um, so for instance... Toy Story, the original Toy Story, the first one, 1995. It celebrated its 25th anniversary this year. Uh, and I love Toy Story, as I've probably mentioned very briefly somewhere else on this podcast. But I love Toy Story. It's one of my I grew up I grew up with. Obviously, when I was alive, number two came out in 1999. But I've really grown up with the Toy Story franchise, even number four. I love them. They're one of my favorite like franchises from pixar's little universe then uh in terms of the ones that have spawned multiple films but as a franchise toy story is probably one of my favorite ones so you know that's one to look out for guys so 25th anniversary happy 25 years to toy story um another one that i discovered so i mentioned that i had the lighthouse on blu-ray special first edition from hmv uh, i also got a steelbook 4k steelbook of the film with arnold schwarzenegger in it 1990 classic total recall um that is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year in 2020 i've never seen it before i watched it the other night i thought it was pretty good pretty decent i watched that i'd say go for that one um also i did a review on goodfellas and i didn't actually mention this but it's actually the 30th anniversary of goodfellas as well because that's also released in 1990 uh and obviously <laughs> i should have mentioned that on the episode but it's you know it's 30 years happy 30 years goodfellas you know with martin scorsese robert de niro and joe pesci such a brilliant film can't say that anymore but check the review out for that one um other films there's another film which i i would highlight there's many that have celebrated their 30th anniversary but another one that is very close to my heart, which if you listen to the Christmas episode, you'll know that I love it so much. And I'll tell you why there. Uh, but Home Alone, the original Home Alone, which had a 4K release on DVD, Blu-ray, you know, special releases across in the US, I believe, and the UK. And it's 30 years of Home Alone. And, you know, what more can you ask for? <laughs> it's a brilliant film. Uh, other films which came out that uh, had their, like, anniversary years this year, then we had the 40th anniversaries of Empire Strikes Back from Star Wars, as I just said a second ago. Uh, Flash Gordon, which had a 4K remaster as well, which I've got at home now. And also The Elephant Man, 
uh, which are the lovely, again, we mentioned black and white films, The Elephant Man, which I've got a special collector's uh, version on Blu-ray with a 4K Ultra in it. It's a brilliant film. It's by David Lynch. It's a lovely film. It's black and white, and it's truly heartbreaking based on the real Elephant Man, but kind of based on like the book about him. So it's not 100% factual, but it's also got some true bits in there. You know, it's about the real Elephant Man, John Merrick, back in the 1800s. Uh, it stars the late, great John Hurt as well in one of his greatest roles, in my opinion, you know, next to him being the war doctor in Doctor Who. But <laughs> I would say the Elephant Man definitely stands up as one of his best performances. And it's just, you know, such a heartbreaking performance. And also it's got Anthony Hopkins in it as well. Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt, like the pair of them together in this lovely drama, this brilliant, sad, heartbreaking tale of the man, John Merrick. It's a lovely film, and I encourage you to watch that one. So happy 40 years to Flash Gordon, Star Wars, and The Elephant Man. And then in terms of, there's two other ones. There's many, many more, so 50 years and all sorts. But the two that I'm going to highlight now, 60 Years of Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock film, released originally in 1960. And ironically, because Rebecca, they've done a Netflix version, so a newborn with Lily James and Army Hammer, it's the 80th anniversary of Rebecca, apparently, as well, which I, I did some research. I didn't know that. but happy 80 years Rebecca uh, so you know by all means check all of those out see what you think you want to discover a new film and it's anniversary year it's probably had a nice new fresh remaster for its digital download or blu-ray release depending on what your persuasion is films that we never got to see on the big screen which I'm kind of saddened about there's a few that I've picked out so there's The Secret Garden which has got Julie Walters and Colin Firth in it you can watch it on Sky Cinema if you've got Sky Cinema. I currently don't have Sky Movies or Sky Cinema at the moment because I can't have everything. Uh, and, you know, it's I'm waiting for the hard, hard copy to come out. And I just don't really... I want to watch it, and I don't want to be disappointed when I do come out and think, feel like Freddy versus Jason or The Loss Adjuster uh, when I see it. But it does look quite magical, but I'm quite sad I didn't get to see it on the big screen. Another one is... Um, soul the pixar film soul it's actually only it's come on to disney plus but again I, i've only got a netflix subscription i can't really afford all of these streaming services i'm not in that much of a fortunate position uh but soul i'm hoping when it comes out on a blu-ray dvd release i will get to watch that uh, i've heard the soundtrack on spotify and it's a lovely film in terms of it like because it's jazz it's a jazz film. I, I love that kind of thing. Uh, but other things that we missed out. So Mulan also went to the Disney Plus, the live action Mulan, but now it's out on general release. I haven't watched that one. But to be honest, I was never a fan of the original Mulan because I never, you know, I wasn't really into Disney princesses much when I was younger. I only really watched Snow White. But on top of that, there's Black Widow, the Marvel film, Scarlett Johansson's little solo MCU debut. Uh, that kept having its date pushed back and pushed back i think it was meant to be out in april then it got pushed back to like june uh, and now it's pushed back to like next year so i'm looking forward to seeing that one day but <laughs> just complete the mcu phase of all the original characters but you know black widow uh, and obviously the, the king's man which i mentioned in my very first episode it, it, you know it's the prequel for the Kingsman franchise and I was really with Ray Fiennes and I was so excited to watch that on the big screen with a couple of my mates but uh, that hasn't come to fruition unfortunately and then the big one obviously is James Bond No Time to Die it had so many setbacks in its production they had to keep you know Daniel Craig was he going to be in it was he not they kept pushing the date back now as well because of the pandemic so I really I want to watch it but I can't I don't know when we're going to see it when we're going to be allowed to see it uh, but yeah that's 
generally, you know, the ones that I picked out that we've missed on the big screen to this date, The Secret Garden, Soul, Mulan. And yeah, I'm just really disappointed, really, that I, there are some films like, I, I don't know, I wasn't really disappointed. I didn't get to see them on the big screen, like, you know, and some of them I just missed. But, you know, those ones I really... I really did sort of, I was disappointed. I'm disappointed that I haven't, I haven't watched Soul yet. I'm disappointed that The Kingsman hasn't come out yet. And also James Bond, No Time to Die. Uh, but that just sums the, sums the year up. And we've had a lot of setbacks in terms of the films. And there's been a lot of yeah, anniversaries and other bits and pieces related to film. Uh, films have been going ahead and been going into production, even with restrictions. And I was going to just cite a few bits of like, the top news stories then, shall we say, the ones that I picked up on during 2020 in relation to films. Obviously, one of the biggest ones is Johnny Depp. Uh, it You can't go, you can't discuss 2020 in film without mentioning Johnny Depp, even just a little bit. Obviously, he's been dropped from the Fantastic Beasts franchise. He was in a little bit of the first one and he was a big star of the second one, but he's been dropped. They were in the middle of doing the third one or preparing the third one, which had a few setbacks. I blame Ezra Miller for his role in the Flash films. Uh, <laughs> the So he's been dropped from Fantastic Beasts and he's been replaced. I want to say, I think I mentioned he's been replaced by someone else at this point as well. But I, you know, things are still ongoing, uh, but that's all to do with the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp court case with The Sun newspaper in the UK. Since then, he's been dropped from Fantastic Beasts. He's been dropped from Pirates of the Caribbean, even though I think there was only going to be one Pirates of the Caribbean film to finish off the franchise. And they've decided to do like a reboot. But some people are saying that, I think Jerry Buckemeyer, who like produces the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and works behind all of the films, he wants, he even wants Johnny Depp to be in there just to pass the baton on as it were and i think it was margot i want to say it was margot robbie they've cited to possibly be in a female pirates of the caribbean reboot i'm not a fan of rebooting things with a different gender because of the fact you know like i like original characters i just want to stress that i do like female strong female leads and you know films that involve female characters in a good portion as equal or if more sometimes because you know you need a bit of counterbalance uh, to the male counterparts in their stories but when you take like an already established franchise and you basically reboot it and just stick a leading lady in there instead of a man in my opinion it's a bit lazy if the film franchise started off with a woman i wouldn't have a problem if the film franchise, you know, and then got replaced by a man, I'd still have the same problem. I'd have the same problem to this day that it's like the Ghostbusters little thing that happened there. That didn't work because that was essentially just redoing the original Ghostbusters with women. And in a way, it made it degraded the role of the women even more than it would have been if they just made an original film based around these four female characters and not made it almost not a carbon copy, but the same plotline of the an original film which did have a cast of men but that's my piece that i just want to say there but yeah so that's you know potential reboot for pirates of the caribbean uh, due to that court case and also dropping from fantastic beasts uh, robert patterson he became the star of the batman so the new film new batman film has been filming in liverpool actually in the uk the city in the uk despite all the high restrictions they've been continuing to film 
Uh, he's become the new Batman. There's been a trailer that's been released online. It looks really cool with a new Penguin, new Riddler. Uh, Colin Farrell's in it, I believe, as well, who's who was in Fantastic Beasts, ironically, as well, uh, in the first one. And, you know, he's become the new face of Batman, but we've still got Ben Affleck on his way as well, back to the role of Batman in the new version of the Justice League. So Zack Schneider's Justice League or the Schneider cut, when he's going to be coming back stronger and better. And hopefully the film will resonate much more with the fans of Zack Schneider and will not be like the cut that we got. And that will be coming to HBO Max in 2021. Obviously in the UK, if we, we, we don't have HBO Max, so we'll be waiting for the DVD Blu-ray release, I'm sure. But that's all for superhero stuff to come. So Batman, two Batman <laughs> in 2021, hopefully. Uh, and then obviously another big thing in the news is that Disney Plus launched uh, in the US and the UK. Uh, it's launched a slew of original uh, films, television shows, and also a load of its archive as well as been put on there. So older classic films. I have not got a, an account. I probably should do, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> I've heard lots of good things about there's uh, original content, including the Star Wars live action series, the first ever Star Wars live action series called The Mandalorian. Apparently lots of things are happening on that show. It's very exciting. I will get on it sometime soon, guys. I will do. Uh, and I'll probably do a special Star Wars from film to TV special at some point in the future, but it's, you know, I apparently hear that's quite good. And also Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe have also branched out into TV series as well on Disney Plus Originals, including a Loki TV show with Tom Hiddleston leading it. Uh, there's going to be one about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision. WandaVision looks quite cool because it's like an old classic sitcom, like 1950s show, but there's Marvel stuff put in there as well. And that's meant to link into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man 3 as well, which are meant to be coming out next year or maybe the year after, hopefully, depending on how things go. So that's lots of Marvel stuff to look forward to. And if you're a Star Wars fan, watch The Mandalorian on Disney+. And obviously, I mentioned it earlier, Tenet was one of the big films slated. It was the Christopher Nolan film that was slated to save cinema. Like, I don't really... Lots of people... Some people like it. Obviously, if you hate Christopher Nolan, you're not going to like it at all because you're not even going to give it a chance. But I do feel it looks very... In terms of its makeup and its technical side of things, like the way the, the way it's all made up and shot and done, it's quite clever probably, but it's probably clever for the sake of clever. Tenet is one that has divided people. If you hate Christopher Nolan, you're not going to like it. If you love Christopher Nolan, then you'll like it. That's simple as that. You, There's no sort of in-between, really. Well, there might be an in-between. You might respect the technical makeup of it, but also you might not like the fact that it's a Christopher Nolan film, or you might just think it's pretentious. But it didn't do as well as people had hoped it would have done. People say it puts Bond in its place. I don't think so. If you want a James Bond film, you watch James Bond, and we didn't get James Bond this year, unfortunately. It did inject a little bit into the cinema industry, but it's not really sort of going that way. And funny thing I should mention Tenet, though, is when Tom Cruise went into a cinema to watch Tenet, to be like, it's great to be back in the movies, and there's a video of him. I didn't think you were allowed to film in cinemas but clearly his PR team thought it was okay but he went in and watched it uh, and he was like it's great to be back watching movies uh, and recently another bit of film news is that Tom Cruise lost his cool quite recently on the set of Mission Impossible 7 amid the COVID-19 guidelines so they're filming in the UK at the moment they've been filming actually not too far away from where I live in the UK he does a lot of filming lots of stunts that all his 
stunt coordinated bits. He's filming all the bits for Mission Impossible Seven because I think they they were filming it before lockdown and before all the pandemic came into place in Milan, I want to say, and then they. They've started finishing things off in the UK as well. And basically two crew members or a crew member, they broke one of the guidelines in place on this film set to help them film safely. And Tom Cruise, if any of you guys have heard it, it's probably online as well. You can listen to it. There's audio of him absolutely losing his cool, his, you know, with this poor crew member. Um, on one hand, I can understand because his speech, if you listen to it, is very empowering, empowering because the fact that he's very <laughs> passionate about keeping the movie business going. But, you know, at the same time, did he need to be that over the top? I mean, what do you guys think? Let me know your thoughts about Tom Cruise losing his cool at a poor production assistant or whoever it was on the set of Mission Impossible 7. Let me know what you think. And going back to the beginning of the year, last bits of movie news, obviously there's Parasite with the Bong Joon-ho film, which sweeped its way through all the awards, particularly the Oscars. It did very well. It's had a black and white version released on its like a home video release on Blu-ray, I believe, 4K Ultra as well. Uh, it's a, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it, but I know that it's a very interesting film in terms of the way it's shot. It's technically minded, very much like 1917 was. And I just think, you know, it's probably worth a watch. I will give it a watch sometime soon, but it's one that's sort of in the background that I've wanted to watch, but it never quite got there. But I will do eventually because it looks like we're going to have lots of time to ourselves anyway. Uh, and then last of all, I, I just want to sort of touch on, I want to touch on the sadder parts of 2020. So the deaths that we've experienced, obviously there's too many for me to go through, but the ones that sort of hit home for me, uh, Dave Prowse, David Prowse, uh, who played the body of Darth Vader in the original in all the films, the live action films, he played the body of Darth Vader. Obviously, James L. Jones did the voice, but Dave Prowse was the man who was inside the suit. I was quite sad at that one. Uh, but overall, uh, and Sean Connery as well, who played the original, the original James Bond from Doctor No, up to Diamonds Are Forever. You know, I think the top, the two biggest losses for me is a big film. Like, there's loads of them. Dave Prowse is one. Sean Connery is the other one, but the biggest one because he was so young and he had so much more to give. As I mentioned earlier, Chadwick Boseman, the man who brought back Black Panther to life in the MCU. And he also, you know, he's been in this film, Black Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix, which is his last performance. I encourage you guys, I'm going to go and watch it. I encourage you guys to go and watch it. It looks like a brilliant film, uh, but he'll always be King T'Challa for me in Black Panther and the MCU. And I'm so glad that I think, if I remember rightly, uh, Letitia Wright's Shuri from Black Panther will be taking up the mantle of the Black Panther. Uh, but it was very sad to see the passing of Chadwick Boseman. He, he, he's he gone. I Lots of people will say this, but he did go too soon. There was so much more for him to give. He was a brilliant talent, young actor. And I'm going to start watching a few more of his films now as well, beyond Black Panther, The Avengers, and the, all the other ones. I'll be watching Ma Rainey's Black Bottom as well. Yeah, other than that, that's all I've really got to say, really. Uh, before we go, I've got some picks by you, the listeners. So uh, Jonathan got in touch, uh, and James as well. Jonathan and James, they have cited Sonic the Hedgehog as one of their favourite films of 2020. Uh, James also got in touch, James Wakenall. He's picked out Extraction, the film with Chris Hemsworth, as one of his highlights of 2020. Uh, also spoke to guest Govin Chandran, who was on the Christmas episode not long ago. He cited The Trial of Sh the Chicago 7 and Palm Springs as two of his favourites from 2020. Uh, and Wonder Woman 1984, like I said, I haven't had a chance to see it, but Jason did. 
So Jason, thanks for your suggestion of Wonder Woman 1984. And I mentioned Jojo Rabbit earlier because I went to see it with my friend. And this is actually my friend is actually quite in touch and said, uh, my friend Sean has said Jojo Rabbit is one of his highlights of 2020. Uh, he loves David Bowie. So, you know, the ver- the German version of David Bowie's Heroes at the end of that film. Brilliant. And then on top of that, I've got a few more suggestions from uh, from Billy, who's got in touch and said that in The Invisible Man, Tenet, Mank, St. Maud, all of those are his favourite films of 2020. There was too many to pick, apparently. I did that as a little poll on our Instagram. Uh, but other than that, that's all I've really got to say. So thank you guys for getting in touch for your suggestions. If I haven't seen that, I haven't seen a few of those. There are a few of those I haven't seen in the suggestions from some of our listeners there and friends of Take 97. But I will be checking those out. And I'm just very excited to see what 2021 has to offer us, guys. Uh, By all means, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for joining me on this podcast journey. There will be more. I'm not going to be finishing. This is not the end. There will be a short break between now and the next episode at the beginning of the next sort of season, as it were, although I'm just going to carry on doing them. I'm looking forward to the guests I've got on. I've got some guests, special guests planned for the episodes, and I'm very excited to hear what you think of all of their content and you know it's going to be some more director stuff i've got a really good director based episode coming up with a friend of mine it's going to be so good and i'm also looking forward to talking about more new films as they come out hopefully in the cinema and i get back to go to go back to the cinema again i'm looking forward to that and obviously i'm gonna i'm I'm feeling also i'm gonna start doing a few reviews from my personal collection like i started at the end of this year i'm gonna start looking at ones from my blu-ray collection and DVD collection, and I might actually start doing the odd DVD review. I might even set up a video counterpart to go with this podcast to do an actual like review of uh, physical releases. I might do that, but yeah, if you guys want to see that, let me know. But for now, the podcast is here to stay, and I look forward to seeing you in 2021 or hearing from you in 2021. Uh, hopefully, it's a better year. So now I'm going to say Happy New Year, guys, and I hope it's a good one for you. And fingers crossed, everything gets you know a little bit better from what it has been this year and remember to come straight to take 97 a film podcast with me your host david ingram on anything film and if you just want to have a voice to sort of chat with you or at you as it were because you're only listening to me uh, by all means come to take 97 a film podcast because you are very welcome anytime to listen to me talk on and i'm always here to tell you, uh, let you know about the latest film stuff and just open up that conversation about films that we love or we hate or we don't really know how to feel about them. So happy new year, guys, and I'll see you later. Thanks again. Goodbye.